Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning. Um, My name is Aaron Bauer. I'm one of the pastors here at Ocean View, and thank you guys so much for being here today. We are starting a new series looking at the life of Jonah. But before we get into it, uh, there's some things you need to know about me to kind of help us understand where we're going today. Um, One, you know this, if you've been around for a little while, you, you know this about me. I make no secret of it. I do not like sports. I don't, I thought I don't like them. I just don't play them or watch them. Or have anything to do with them. Um, and so that's one component of my life. The other thing that you might not want to know about me is that, or care, is that I am directionally challenged. Um, not vertically, I'm going to talk about height a little, yes, but I mean like with directions. Like when I drive somewhere, when I'm going from place to place, I struggle to get from A to B um, in, in like a succinct fashion. I usually end up going all kinds of, of different ways. And this is really a struggle, and it actually has, believe it or not, gotten worse, uh, even with the addition of having like a GPS on your phone and all that kind of stuff. Like, like it's actually made it worse for me, not better which is the opposite, right? And I knew that this was going to be the case from a very early uh, young age of me driving um, when I was 16. Okay, so when you're 16, some of you have to go back a little bit. Some of you are in that phase right now, but some of you have to go back, travel back to when you first get your license and you are now responsible for driving yourself to all the places that your parents previously drove you to, right? Like you didn't know how to get there. You just kind of magically ended up there. You got in the car and your parents started driving and you didn't pay attention and then you just ended up there. And for some of you, that's still the case. You don't know where you're going. You just end up there and that's fine. That's how I am. And so I was responsible now for the first time ever, I'm going to drive myself to get my hair cut. Okay. So I'm 16 and here it is my first time taking myself to get my hair cut, which is really cool, right? I have to be honest with you, though, since we're in a church, I will be honest with you. It wasn't necessarily a haircut. Um, you see, what had happened was there was a fiasco with my hair. Um, I had gotten highlights put in it. Um, now, remember, okay, this was 1999. We were on the cusp of a new century. There was a lot of crazy things happening in the world. Highlights was one of them. Okay, it's just one of these things. But we had to get it fixed because something went wrong. And well, they all went wrong, but this one was really wrong. And so we had to go get it fixed. And so my mom says, hey, you have an appointment. You need to go drive out there. And so I did what we all did back in that day. And some of you will remember this because we didn't have it on our phones. We didn't have it like a little GPS box. What we did have, though, was MapQuest. And MapQuest, some of you are like, whoa. Yeah, MapQuest was this website that you would go to on a thing called a computer. A computer was basically like a really big phone that sat on your desk, okay? For some of you younger people who have never seen a computer, that's what that was. It was a big box, and you would go onto the World Wide Web, now known as the Internet, and you would go on the, on the web, and you would go to MapQuest, and what you would do, kind of like Google or, or Apple Maps now, you would type in where you are starting, and you would type in where you are going, and it would give you all the list out of directions, except you couldn't download it anywhere. There wasn't anything like that. You just had to print it. And you printed it on this stuff called paper. And you took this paper and you would take it with you in your car. And so as you're driving along, you're like looking at your paper and making sure that you know where you're going. And it listed out step by step. 
You can't lose. You know exactly where you're going. So this is the situation that I found myself in when I was 16, taking myself to get my haircut or my highlights fixed. Okay. So here's the thing. I lived in Raleigh. Raleigh has this weird highway system running through it called the Beltline. And back in this time, they didn't call it east and west. They called it inner and outer. And it's very, very confusing. Unless you, like, built it, you had no idea what it meant, okay? So for all of us regular people, like, we go and we're like, all right, inner, is it inner, is it outer, is it inner, is it outer? Which way am I supposed to go? I don't know if it's east or if it's west, north, south. I have no idea. There's just a bunch of numbers with 40 in it, and I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm following my directions, and it gets to this point where it says exactly what I'm supposed to do, but I'm looking at the signs in front of me, And it doesn't make sense. So I do what any of us would do in that situation. I default into what I think is right. And so I take a turn and I end up on the highway. And that's great. And I'm driving along and I'm looking at the next thing that I'm supposed to look for. And about um, 30 minutes goes by. 40 minutes goes by. Keep in mind, I'm, I'm moving 70 miles an hour 40 minutes later, okay? And I realize I have made a mistake and so I call my mom, because we did have cell phones. I call my mom and I say, hey, I, I don't know where I'm at. And she says, well, what do you see around you? And I said, well, I see mile markers. And I see a sign that says, um, oh, there's an exit for Wilmington coming up. And she says, you are on your way to the beach. You need to turn around right now. And so I end up turning around. I drive all the way back. So I'm, I'm two hours late for my appointment at this point. My car, I kid you not my car runs out of gas as I'm pulling into the parking lot, okay? So when I say that I'm directionally challenged, I really do mean that. And it's true even today, even with my watch buzzing me, right, and saying, hey, you have a turn coming up here. Even with a Siri on my phone or a Google person, whatever that is, yelling at me saying, your turn is in 500 feet. All of that, it doesn't matter. There is nothing quite like my wife hitting me on the leg and saying, what are you doing? This is your exit. That's the only thing that works for me. Um, Some of you are like that. And I think in some ways, we are all a little bit directionally challenged. Maybe we're not struggling with driving directions, but we sometimes struggle with other kinds of directions. Sometimes we try to um, seek out advice in our life, even though it's very clear what we should do, even though the truth makes sense to us, we will still have a tendency to default and to go our own way and find our own path of doing things. And I see this a lot, and you probably have too. Some of you might be this way, I'm this way sometimes. I see it in marriages. After being in ministry for almost 15 years, I see this a lot, where um, spouses... We'll be fighting against each other, right? And the husband might go to his group of friends and he'll explain the situation and they will all confirm what he already knows to be true, that he is right. And then his wife, meantime, has gone to her group of friends and she will explain the situation to them and they will confirm what she knows to be true, which is that she is right. Now, this one is true usually, okay? But they'll usually retreat into their corners And they will try to find people who agree with them to confirm what they already believe to be true. And rather than striving for reconciliation in this, rather than striving for a a restoration in in their relationship, they tend to kind of go to the corners and they listen to what people want to tell them and they'll, they'll believe that, right? We all do that. This is called confirmation bias, right? 
You've probably heard of this. This is why uh, when you go on Facebook and there's certain stories and you're like, oh, that, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's because it's, it's given you things that it already knows that you will agree with and things that you will like. We do that not only when in decisions with like relationships. This is true, uh, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, a, a boss, some of us, right? Like we have a confrontation with them and we'll retreat to our coworkers and we'll say, all right, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Good. We tend to gravitate to people who are going to tell us what we already believe to be true about ourselves. And we become directionally challenged in that way. Maybe it's not relationships. It could be other decisions in your life. We have a lot of students who are about to go off to college. And even though they might ask for advice and insight and input into what they should do, what college should they go to, what should they study, and people will give them wisdom and people try to point them in a direction, they might end up just listening to the people that will help them go with the decision that they've already made for themselves. Some of us, it might be finances. It might be like buying a new car or a new house. And maybe it's just outside of our price range. And some wise financial advisors and trusted people will tell us, hey, you should probably hold off on that. You should probably wait to make that decision or switch that job. You might just want to wait a little while. But then we talk to other people who confirm what we already want to hear. And we'll do that instead. See, we all do that. We all have this inside of ourselves, this directionally challenged mindset and that we only want to hear what we want to hear from the people who are going to tell us what we want to hear. When we're looking at Jonah over the next couple of weeks here, and as I started opening this book, a story that I have, I have seen, I kid you not, a hundred times after working with kids and students for so many years. Like we look at Jonah all the time. Even if you are new to Christianity, if this is your first time in a church ever, if, if you have never been you know, in church, whatever it might be, you probably have heard some tenant of the story of Jonah. It goes something like this. Jonah, a messenger of God, is given a message to take to a people that he doesn't believe deserves to hear it. And so he instead, he runs the opposite direction, and somehow he ends up in the belly of a fish or a whale. It doesn't really matter which. It's fish, whale, whatever. Call it what you want. And then he gets vomited, regurgitated, spewed, all kinds of chunky splatter on the side. We have to talk about vomit because it's like fun. Everybody just go ahead and say vomit. See how fun it is to talk about vomit in church? Have fun. All right, so he gets spewed up on the side of, of a land or somewhere, and then he goes and he does what God asked him to do. And that's kind, of, that's kind of like the gist of it, right? Like we all get that. But when we start looking at it a little bit closer, and we start seeing just, just what set this off, I think we're going to see something different. It's more than just a guy in the belly of a fish. And it's more than just this weird journey that he went on that we look at and we remember as this cute kind of whimsical kind of story. I think we're going to see something that Jonah is trying to tell you and me over the course of time. There was something that he was trying to tell us. It was not just about being vomited on the side, outside of a whale, though that is kind of fun. I mean, for him, not for him, for us to talk about. So we're going to take a look at the story of Jonah. We're going to start kind of at the beginning of this. This is in Jonah chapter 1. It's a book that's tucked in the middle of the Old Testament. It's just kind of, you'll skip right over it. Um, and sometimes we do because it's only four chapters long. So we're going to spend some time looking at it. So let's go ahead and start. Here we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. This is how it starts. Jonah throws us right into the middle 
of this story. Right here at the start, here's the, here's the command of God, go and do this. Now, I want to backtrack for just a second and point out a, uh, some things to kind of bring some context to this. Keep in mind that, that this book of Jonah, most scholars would agree, was written by Jonah himself. So he is telling us a story about himself, which is probably the most embarrassing story he could tell us about himself. When we look at the story of Jonah, remember Jonah is, it is not the heroic person. He's not setting himself up to be the hero here. Because this is the most disobedient thing he could have done. And he is writing about it. Now why would he do that? Why would he want to tell us about his worst moment? I think... We're going to find out in just a little bit. So the word came to Jonah, get up, go to Nineveh and preach against it. Now, here's the other thing you need to know about Jonah. He is a prophet. He is a messenger of God. Typically, these prophets would have messages for God's people. Okay? He is not the only prophet going around at this time. Prophets were sent to kings. The kingdom of Israel, God's chosen people, was split into two different groups at this time. And the prophets would go to these kings and they would tell them, hey, you need to get your people to start worshiping God again. Stop allowing them and and really encouraging them to worship false gods. You need to stop doing that. And the kings would hear this and they would not agree with this. And so they would most of the time just ignore these prophets. Sometimes the prophets would tell them things that the kings wanted to hear. In fact, Jonah, we find out in 2 Kings, Jonah actually had a message for the king of his day that said, God wants you to expand the borders, so you need to go do it now. What king would not want to have a bigger kingdom? So he listens to Jonah in this case. It's just kind of a footnote. And if Jonah hadn't given us the whole book of Jonah, we, that's probably all we would know about Jonah. But Jonah wants to tell us something else. So the kings would listen to their prophets when it served them well. When it didn't serve them well, oftentimes they would ignore them. And in some cases, because they were king, Just kill them. It's much easier that way to not listen to somebody that's not telling me what I want to hear. And so that would happen. Now, Jonah then is given this message, not to God's people, not to a king who would even ignore him, but he's given this message to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't like this. Not at all. Jonah knows a lot about Nineveh. Jonah knows that Nineveh is full of of wicked people, not just wicked people, it's like, like completely opposite of him people. See, Nineveh at this time was a city controlled by the Assyrians, and the Assyrians were the sworn enemies of God's people. They were wicked, they were cruel, they worshipped false gods, they did weird, like crazy violent things to their own people, and they would do even more crazy violent things to the people of God. Why on earth would God want Jonah to take a message to those people? That is way out of character for God. Why would he do that? And I imagine, this is probably not true, but I imagine that there would be like a, like a prophet club and all the prophets in the day would kind of get together and they would say, hmm, what message did God give you to talk? Oh, that's nice. What message did God give you to talk? Awesome. And they'd probably take attendance one day and it's like, Jonah, Jonah, where's Jonah? Oh, he went to Nineveh. Why would he go there? What is going on that God would, why? Why would he do that? Is he, is he changing teams? What's he doing? Like, what's going on? And I imagine Jonah's probably thinking, what about my reputation? What are they going to say about me? But more than that, why would God send me to those people? Jonah, I think, has a prejudice, a bias against the people of Nineveh. Because they are not like him at all. They are the complete opposite of him. He has nothing in common with, with them. He doesn't dress like them. He doesn't talk like them. He doesn't have the same background as them. Why would God send him there? Let's look at the next 
part of this. See what Jonah does. Jonah got up to flee Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. So Jonah, confronted with this news that he is supposed to take to the people of Nineveh, the Ninevites, the people who are the least like him, the people that he should never, ever, ever empathize with at all because they are the sworn enemy of God's people, he decides, hmm, God, you've given me a message for people that I I just don't agree with you in this case, God. I don't agree with you. I'm going to go. And he finds himself committing the same act that kings would often commit with other prophets, right? Jonah has been told something that he doesn't agree with. It goes against his belief system. And so rather than agree with God, he's going to do his own thing and ignore God's mission in his life. His hatred, his dislike, his prejudice against the Ninevites was greater than his desire to be obedient to the truth that God was giving him. And so he runs the opposite direction. To put it in perspective, it would be like the distance between Myrtle Beach and Los Angeles. 2,500 miles. That's the distance between Tarshish and Nineveh. Nineveh was only 500 miles from where Jonah was. So he's going 2,000 miles the opposite direction. And remember, you've got to keep this in perspective. He is writing this about himself. His most embarrassing moment ever. Let's look at it one more time and let's just try to play with it a little bit. Jonah got up. Let's say, I got up. I fled to Tarshish. I ran. Not only did I run, I ran away as far as I could. And I paid money because I disagreed with God so much. He ran the opposite direction. And what's interesting about this, when we look at these verses, is that Jonah, I think, is trying to say something here. Because remember, he's writing this after the journey's over. Jonah is writing about this long after he was inside of a fish. Jonah is writing this long after he was regurgitated, spewed, vomited. I like to say that a lot. Onto the land. Long after he goes and actually delivers the message. He is writing this at the end of his journey and he's looking at his this one moment, the, the start of this journey, and he's looking at it and he's saying, I got up to flee. I got up and I ran. I got up and I left. I got up and I went down. I paid a fare. I was just running. But what's interesting about this is that he doesn't say he was running from the Ninevites. And that's what we would expect him to say. I would expect Jonah to say, man, I'm running from them because they're violent. I am running from them because they don't look like me. I am running for them because they come from a different background, a different faith background. I have nothing in common with them. That's why I ran from them. I am running from them. And actually, here's what we find out later. Jonah tells us in his own words that he actually was prejudiced against them. Later in the book of Jonah, he says, I didn't want to go there because I know what's true about God. I know what's true about God is that he is forgiving and that he's merciful. And I don't want that God to be introduced to these people because I want them to get exactly what they deserve. That's what he tells us. That's why he ran. But it's interesting. He didn't say he was running from the Ninevites. Did you catch what he was running from? Can we look at it one more time? 
Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish, and he was running where? From the Lord's presence. This is a prophet of God. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship. I paid the fare. I went down into it. I was running from the Lord's present. Imagine him sitting down writing this and he has to write those words again and again. I was running from God's presence. I was running from God's presence. Jonah understood something. He wasn't running from the Ninevites. He was running from the presence of God because God's presence called him to reach people who were different than him. Jonah's own prejudice against these people was so great. He was willing to pay a price. He was willing to run the opposite direction. He was willing to travel 2,500 miles away from these people because he did not want them to be forgiven. And you and I, we look at that and say, oh, Jonah, that's a shame on you. But honestly, that's us sometimes. I bet there's people in your life that need to be forgiven. Somebody has wronged you. And you know that God is is full of forgiveness and compassion. And that's news that you want to hear when you need forgiveness and compassion. But now that it relates to somebody else who has wronged you, your prejudice against them is so great that you don't want to have anything to do with them. That's probably happened to you or you've done it to somebody. And maybe you're not traveling 2,500 miles away, but you're just going to ignore their text message or their phone call, right? That happens. That's real. There are people in our life that have wronged us and we find ourselves like Jonah, torn between two ideas of God, two belief systems that we've set up for ourselves. The loving, merciful God who is going to offer forgiveness to us no matter what we do. And then also this judgmental God, this righteous God who's going to allow people to get what they deserve. And so that's what I'm praying for. That's where Jonah found himself. Not wanting to interact with a people so different than him. And you and I do the same thing, whether it's people of a different economic background, a different skin tone. We would rather cross to the other side of the street than interact with them. We would rather pretend to be on our phone. You've done this. We all do that. Because it's easy to ignore those people than have to deal with our own biased against them. It's easier to just ignore the calling of God on our life to actually make an effort to inspire and reach people who are different than us than it is to actually do what he asks us to do. I think this is why Jonah told us this story about himself. It's like a warning. It's like him coming to terms like, I I hated these people so much. I just liked them so much. I ended up in the belly of a fish if you don't want to end up there. Just take notes, like, don't allow this to happen to you. And I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know wh- what happens in this moment. I just think Jonah, just the, again, we're just starting the tip of the iceberg here with Jonah's story. And again, this is just a piece of his life. This is just one piece that he wanted us to read about, that he wanted to share with us. I think he's coming to this summation just at the beginning here, just to outset the story, just to kind of let us know where he's coming from. And he realized this in this moment. 
When we walk away from the people that God calls us to love, when we walk away from them, when we ignore them, when we treat them like they're less than, when we wish this God upon them rather than this God upon that we would want on ourselves, we actually are walking away from the presence of God. And I want to experience the presence of God in my life. And it's really easy to do that in a community of people that think like me. It's really easy to do that in a community of people who share my belief system, who have my same faith background. That's easy for me. But guess what? God calls us to go beyond that. He calls us to find people, really seek them out, people who are different than us. Rather than stay where it's comfortable, where people agree with us. We have to make a shift in our minds and in our hearts. Jonah had to make this shift, but he didn't get it until it was all said and done. And this is why I think he's writing this to us. What would it be like if we went out of our way to try to engage someone with the love of God that is so different than us? Maybe they don't share our beliefs. Maybe they don't share our background. But God loves them. They have the potential to know God. We're just going to ignore that? We're going to stay where it's safe? Where it's comfortable? I think Jonah would have preferred to have taken a message to the people of God, to the kings of Israel, and be ignored. He, he thought that was a much better thing than trying to even engage with people who are different than him, than even trying to take this message to people who didn't deserve it. That's a dangerous place to be. I don't want to be there. I want to experience the presence of God. I want to interact with all of the people that God wants to bring to himself. Can you imagine what that would be like for us as followers of Jesus? And we, if we invited all kinds of people into this party, if we invited all kinds of people of different backgrounds and we said, listen, let me show you who Jesus is. I know we have nothing in common, but we were made in the image of God. We have the potential to know God. Let me introduce you to him. What would happen if we started doing that? Really going out of our way to see people the way that he sees them. I think we would experience the presence of God. You guys pray with me. God, This story is so, is so much more. God, thank you that Jonah shared this with us as a warning. God, help us. There's people in our lives that we need to forgive, that we've just, we've been holding a grudge. We, people who think different than us politically. God, help us deal with our own prejudice, our own bias. People we ignore, people we cross the street to get away from. God, your message of Jesus is for everyone. Help us not to decide who gets to hear it. God, we don't want to run away from your presence. So help us run to the people that you've called us to. Jesus, let us be a church that glorifies you that sees the potential in everyone we interact with to know you. So in your name we pray.
Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.